You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Last few weeks, uh, we've been recording episodes of the show in some very different kinds of circumstances. From uh, last week, trying to talk about what the the return of Major League Baseball could mean, to uh, a few weeks ago, talking about the the protests and uh, and push for societal change in the wake of the the death of George Floyd. And um, this week, we come to you with an even different feeling episode of the show before the show, and uh, we felt that called for a, a different introduction, and uh, didn't really seem like the type of week when we should use our upbeat intro music and all that so we went a different road and that was uh, a rendition of take me out to the ball game performed by uh, a guy who i call my uncle he's uh not actually related but he's been my my dad's best friend since they were about 14 years old a blues musician in lincoln nebraska named c.a waller and uh, i emailed him late last night and said you know i had this idea uh we're recording a a show tomorrow and talking about a, a topic that breaks our hearts and and maybe you could come up with something for us um to to use as our intro and he sent me that this morning and uh it put me into a puddle of tears when i first listened to it and that uh we i think are both probably still fighting back right now as we start recording this um but it's a tough one as we as we welcome you into this week's episode of the show before the show from minor league baseball milb.com my name is tyler mon sam dykstra in new york city uh yesterday came the official word that there will be no minor league baseball in 2020 as uh, the season has been canceled. It's something that we, to be honest, expected for, for quite some time as the, the breadth and the scope of the COVID-19 pandemic became uh, clearer and clearer and somehow grossly and unfortunately continues to get worse and get clearer over the last few weeks. Um, but there will not be minor league baseball in 2020, which is something that has never been said uh, in the the history of this sport since the National Association of Professional Baseball Clubs was officially founded uh, in 1901. Even in the the darkest years of of American history over the 20th century, there was always minor league baseball. 
there were some tough bumps, obviously, in the, the world wars and the the Spanish influenza epidemic and all of it, but there's never been a season canceled. And so we, we bring you kind of an unprecedented uh, episode for an unprecedented chapter and uh, a tough way to have to say hello, but we, we say hello and we uh, will now try to parse some of our thoughts for you. So uh, uh, Tyler and Sam and uh, Sam, not a, not an easy week at all and something that we've expected and that did not make it any easier. Yeah. Um, hi, everybody. You know, w- welcome into the show. And um, uh, hopefully Tyler wasn't breaking any news to you there. Uh, if he was. Yeah, that'd be tough. That would, that's. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's a with this sad a... song? Yeah. Um, so so I'm sure many of you at home are aware of the situation, but obviously the coronavirus epidemic, which continues to get bad, you know, almost worse and worse in certain parts of this country and certainly as uh, the country on the whole um you know continues to ravage everywhere uh this felt like an inevitability um officially minor league baseball said that major league baseball couldn't provide minor league baseball with players um the big reason of that being the COVID 19 epidemic um it's just the you know the way the world is right now it's it's really unfortunate when you look at that long history of minor league baseball like you said tyler going back to 1901 um, but th- this is something that touches obvi- obviously every aspect of our job. Um, you know, we write for the official minor league baseball website. Uh, minor league baseball is our life. And uh, we do that because we love the game. We, we love what the minors mean. And I'm going to get into that here in, in just a minute. I-, I wrote some words down that, um, you know, I- I- it- something like this, I'm talking off the cuff now, but something like this it- it's ta- It's difficult to ta- talk off the cuff because there's so much about minor league baseball that is encapsulated by just this organization. Um, and I don't mean that just the St. Pete office. I mean every league, every player, every employee. Um, there's so much that goes into this. And the fact that there isn't any of that in 2020 is, is disappointing and upsetting and um, unfortunately just the way the world works right now. Um, so to, it, I, I think you might hear me say this later on the show. And if I don't, I'll I'll repeat or I'll say it now, but it felt like a bandaid being pulled off. You know, we all knew it needed to happen at some point we were getting into July. It is now the start of July. By the time you're hearing this, uh, there were going to only be two months of a a minor league season left. Uh, we've ripped off the bandaid. It smarts. It really hurts right now. Um, at a certain point, it's going to allow us to get better. It's going to allow us to look forward to 2021. Hopefully some of these clubs, uh, can now pivot towards trying to find new ways to bring in revenue and new ways to be pillars of their community that they've always been. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really rough time while we're sitting in it here. So uh, we don't obviously have a, a ton of new news outside of that because that was kind of the last domino to fall. Um, there were going to be extraordinary challenges in putting on any sort of minor league season this year, even if players had been provided uh, from major league clubs. But, um, yeah, waiting for that last shoe to drop was was agonizing, and I think we also got to exist for a little while in just the, the kind of haze of, well, what if somehow it all works out? Which, uh, you know, Sam and I are both both pretty pragmatic guys. I think we've kind of known since April that it was probably pretty unlikely um, that that was going to work out. But, uh, yeah, it's it's our livelihood. Um, and to be in this spot right now, 
The most difficult thing, I think, when I think about it is thinking about all the front office members uh, who are either unemployed now or are furloughed or have been laid off or whatever it is. Um, that's tough. You know, I was uh, working on a, a series of stories about some of the longest running um, continually used nicknames in each league and uh, was emailing with a, a team. And um, when first starting the story uh, back in, in April, or first starting the series, I should say, you know, immediately got a an email back with some great resources and um, talking about getting in touch with somebody to do an interview and, and yada yada. Um, didn't get around to that story until a little while later. And by the time I emailed that team back, uh, their media relations person had been furloughed. Um, and those are the difficult things that you start to see is just this kind of silent drying up of uh, of such a vibrant culture that is a minor league front office. And, and that's happening across the country right now, uh, obviously not just in minor league front offices. There are 40 million people unemployed. And to see it in an industry that uh, longtime minor league radio voice John Laser, uh, who's now the voice of Virginia Tech Hokies, I saw Laser post a, a tweet um, referring to minor league baseball as the thing we always felt would be by our side. And to not have that this year feels so weird and just speaks to what we've lost over the last uh, four months. And uh, and that's a really difficult reality to exist in now because uh, sports provide us with such a, a blanket and such a distraction and, and such a joy in our lives that uh, to have that ripped away is extraordinarily difficult to stomach. And uh, it, it breaks my heart to think about all the people who – are suffering financially and uh, and don't have work right now because of this, you know, not just in a minor league baseball context, but everywhere. Um, and it's it's just for a while, I think, yeah, it sort of feels like, well, as long as we can hold off from having to believe it's real, it's not going to be as bad. And now we've kind of been thrown into the, the cold reality of that, and that's – tremendously difficult to to process for those of us who you know my first minor league season was 2009 um that that with the exception of one season since then i've worked uh in some capacity with or in minor league baseball and uh you know even the one season that i didn't work with minor league baseball i was uh, working with the australian baseball league it was their their off season but still was doing that work and um it is so weird to wake up every day and not have baseball and not have the rhythm of, you know, there will be 70 games tonight and there's a chance that in Lancaster that two teams are going to combine for 42 runs and there's a, you know, we might see a no-hitter in the Eastern League tonight because Casey Mize is pitching or, um, you know, all those little things. Um, no animals on the field, no weird ejections. Uh, it is it is very strange. And the reality that that's going to be our normal until April of 2021 right now, uh, hopefully, is uh, that's, that's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just want to make sure that I, I don't forget anything. So I'm just going to, I know I went off the cuff earlier and, um, you know, it's just try, trying to speak from the heart, but I want to make sure I get to this. This is where Sam has his scripted remarks. And then I start playing an orchestra to play him off. It goes too long. <laughs> so something this like is this. The Please do. Now. <laughs> yeah. This is the Oscars. Now I have a lot of people to thank. It's almost the opposite of that. Um, but, I don't know. It's, I'll, I'll just kind of get through this. I kind of thought about when I was writing this, I, it was the opposite of LeBron. I, I remember LeBron was giving a speech before a Lakers game. It might've been after Kobe passed. And then he just, he threw away the speech because he, he uh, didn't need it. And he, let's just say he's a stronger man than I am, but I am a writer first. Um, so I wanted to get this stuff down, but um, 
what does minor league baseball mean to me? Well, I'm, I'm a writer and a reporter first, so I think of the game. Like Tyler alluded to there, there are 160 minor league teams, not counting those that play at the complexes and internationally. So on a Friday night when everyone is plugged in and the people are flowing through the gates, there are 80 games a night. That's 80 first pitches, 80 final outs, 80 opportunities for high-quality baseball from coast to coast. That's also 80 opportunities for growth for minor league players dreaming of someday making or even returning to the major leagues. Every game is a step in their journeys of realizing the dreams they had as kids, the dreams many of us had as kids, or if we're still kids, are having right now. And that's every night. I love telling the stories of how these players are growing, what they've added to their fastball, how they're adjusting to seeing more breaking pitches, what they're doing to learn a new position. It's one of the great joys of this job and of following the Meyer Leagues in general, and those are the opportunities we've lost. I'm a fan too. There are few greater pleasures in this world than settling in on a warm, sunny day, knowing nine innings of mystery and wonder lay ahead. You never lose sight of that, even from the press box or writing about the sport from home. Beyond just the game, people file through the turnstiles for, for that entertainment factor. They come for the unique theme nights or the wacky hot dogs or the cheap beer, knowing there's nowhere else they could find where all these things intersect. Seriously, the Venn diagram of baseball, Star Wars, and the Nashville Honey Bun Burger is pretty small right there in the middle, and that's where minor league baseball lies. That sense of fun is something we've lost. I'm a citizen, too. I live here in Brooklyn, which you think is a city in itself within the biggest city in the United States. And yet I can't tell you how many Brooklyn Cyclones hats I see walking down the street or through Prospect Park or wherever on any given night. I tell people what I do for a living and they ask if I've been to MCU Park. I mean, come on, it's it's not that far on the F train. The same happens with folks at home. They'll bring up the time they went to Pawtucket or the time they brought the kids to that new Duncan Stadium in Hartford, or they'll ask what I think of the move to Worcester. Minor league clubs are pillars of the community. That doesn't stop because there is no baseball being played on the diamond, but that feeling of gathering around in one place, hoping to see 420-foot homers with our neighbors, that's something we've lost too. I'm a friend too. The minor league baseball community is a big and beautiful one, as Tyler said. It's a minor miracle that clubs pull off dozens of home games a year, in some cases more than 70, planning promotions, selling concessions, broadcasting games, both on the radio and on MILB TV. Now imagine that replicated 160 times over. There's a lot of work done by a lot of good and decent people to make sure baseball touches every corner of this country. A lot of those good and decent people are hurting right now. And in some cases, it's over the loss of the game. In more extreme ones, it's over the loss of their job they love so much. The crucial roles these teams, these families, play in our sport is something we've lost. I'm a realist. I know why this cancellation needed to happen. I'm an optimist. I'm hopeful we can return safely next spring. Most of all, I'm a minor league baseball lover, and I'll miss the game that I love. Until then, onwards to 2021. That is, uh, I'm going to try to get through the rest of this without losing it. I'm going to um, steal my thoughts because I'm not uh, smart or articulate um, like Sam, but uh, Bowie Kuhn was in a lot of ways. And this is uh, Ted Haggerty, the 
phenomenal radio voice in the El Paso Chihuahuas in the AAA Pacific Coast League. Uh, we've plugged Ted's um, minor league stories uh, account at Miners Team Names on Twitter. And um, Ted posted this yesterday, which was uh, former Major League Commissioner Bowie Kuhn uh, and his thoughts on minor league baseball from Hardball, the education of a baseball commissioner. And he said, quote, one of the joys of travel for me was the minor league ballparks and people. I always felt that the heart of baseball was in those nostalgia-laden band boxes and hard-striving people. There was a rich, textured, profound feel of the game in the minors that I found nowhere else, something closer to the game I first knew as a lad in Griffith Stadium and Forbes Field. So I beat my way across the minors from the Carolinas to Oregon, from Connecticut to West Texas, and I ate their hot dogs, savored their hospitality, and told them how much I cherished them. There was jubilation in my shop as the miners soared in popularity during my time in office. Um, that's something that I think is uh, – that's the, the heartbeat of, of everything in this institution that is minor league baseball. And for, you know, the first uh, 50 years of its existence, uh, 40 years or so, minor league baseball was this weird kind of wild west of, of teams that just operated independently. And every once in a while, a, a major league scout would blow through town and, and spot a Walter Johnson or, uh, you know, somebody who would later turn into a legend who came from a, a place you've never heard of, um, you know, a Grover Cleveland Alexander from St. Paul, Nebraska, uh, the, the guys that turned into legends. Um, that was the the weird early years of minor league baseball where every town had a team and they loved the teams and they turned out for the teams and and guys who grew up in the middle of nowhere had a chance to be something and then it became um something organized and branch ricky came along and and developed the st louis cardinal system into something that was more uh formulaic and something that was more uh institutionalized and contained inside a major league organization and then he spotted jackie robinson uh and and made him a member of a minor league club before he broke the the color line with the brooklyn dodgers and then the minor leagues went through, you know, periods of, of boom and bust. And uh, and then Bull Durham came along. And uh, 10 years later, we embarked on this glory era in which ballparks sprang up uh, like wildflowers across the country. And uh, and that has led us largely into where we are right now. And minor league baseball is a tremendously um, valued and healthy institution. And it is a beautiful tapestry of everything that we love, um, not only about this sport, but about I think our society at large on our best days um, and who we are and the fact that you can go to a ballpark and share that experience with people who you don't share many other life experiences with, but you love um, being in the stadium and having that day or that night together and um, eating something obscenely unhealthy for you and uh, and getting an autograph from a, a player who you don't know the name of but may be somebody big someday. Um, those are the, the beautiful things about minor league baseball and not having those leaves such a void right now. And um, it has been really neat over the last uh, few days, especially to, to hear from so many people that we know and love and who know and love us on, um, you know, what they value and cherish about the minor leagues. Um, We'll hear from Benjamin Hill coming up here in a little bit about ways that you can support your local minor league team. Uh, we urge you to do that. We are in a, a moment right now of organizing for so many big things in society, and uh, and maybe people who will uh, will listen to this will view the minor league baseball struggle as something that they want to get in and support as well. Um, and we encourage you to do that to to contact teams and to buy merchandise and to to help out in ways that you can. Um, it's not going to be easy. Uh, getting to 2021 is not going to be easy in every way, it feels like right now. But uh, we're still all in this together. 
and um, you know, wear your mask and wash your hands and keep your distance and uh, and do what you can to help beat that uh, a pandemic that is. Um, somehow started to, to blast its way through uh, places that are being ignorant of those facts yet again. But uh, we, we all have to do what we can to get us to get ourselves over the line. And uh, unfortunately, some of our institutions won't be able to, to join us fully until then. And uh, in minor league baseball, at least for its 2020 season, is one of those. And, uh, and that's really um, a very sobering uh, reminder of what we've lost this year. Yeah. 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 Um, I I don't know what, what there is to add other than the good thing is about minor league baseball. And we, I've said this to everybody who's asked me about what, what is the next step? You know, what, what, what do you guys do next? And, um, what happens to, to minor league baseball next? And, uh, that obviously for anybody who knows about the, the PBA negotiations, there's lots to follow there. Um, and and lots still to come about what, what is next for the minor leagues. But, uh, you heard Tyler talk about it. you, You heard me talk about it. You've heard Ben talk about it for years now, how big and expansive the minor leagues is there. There are so many stories to tell here. Um, there are so many communities that get touched. There are so many players. You know, I'm, I'm a prospect writer. There are so many pr- players that are going to play in the 60-man player pools that we talked about last week or play in the majors this year or are preparing to play again in 2021. There are so many stories that the minor leagues have brought us. That's the strength of the minor leagues. Um, we're, we're not going anywhere. We're, we're still going to be here every week. Um we've we've made it this far in a in a season quote unquote without baseball um we're not going anywhere the minor leagues as a whole isn't going anywhere and we can't wait to bring you what's next in in the joy uh that minor league baseball will continually bring to this sport and to this country and globally uh as well we have a lot coming up for you on this week's episode of the show before the show, and uh, soon we'll hear from Benjamin Hill. Then we are going to hear from a lot of different voices. Um, dating back almost four months now, as difficult as that is to believe, uh, we've been having top prospects on the show uh, from coast to coast, all over the place, and uh, hearing their favorite minor league memories. And so we'll get a chance to hear from uh, all of those guys who have joined us over the last uh, few months, from Christian Robinson, the Arizona Diamondbacks organization, who was the first one uh, to join us. That was all the way back on March 18th, when still so much was unknown, and there were some people who were still out hoping, well, maybe this will only be a, a couple weeks that we'll be without uh, some sense of normalcy. And um, that was March 18th, like I said. Uh, Adley Rutschman and Bobby Witt Jr. joined us over the last couple of weeks. We'll hear from them. Uh, we'll hear from Tyler Stevenson. We'll hear from Chris Bubich. We'll hear from Josiah Gray and Nick Heath. Um, a lot of really great voices across the minor league landscape on what they value about their minor league experiences um, so far in their lives. We will also hear from the staff of MILB.com. Um, we, we got a chance to check in with our writers, many of whom you have heard, all of whom you've heard on the show in, uh, in recent weeks and months got their favorite minor league memories and uh on the other side when we say goodbye to you sam and i will give you ours as well which i don't know if we discussed but i just dropped here so sam start thinking of your favorite minor league memory (laughs) Um, i'm gonna be real stumped now this is a real difficult decision that you just placed in front of me (laughs) we got a lot coming up for you on the show 
today. So without further ado, we will uh, talk with our, our good buddy and our minor league statesman, uh, the man himself, Benjamin Hill, who joins the show next. As an official partner of Minor League Baseball, Nationwide is here from life's first pitch to the seventh inning stretch. Whether you're looking for protection for your house, car, pet, or small business, Nationwide offers a wide range of products and support to make sure you're getting the right coverage for your specific needs. Visit Nationwide.com for more information on how we can help take care of what you have today and plan for what's ahead. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company, Columbus, Ohio. One of these weeks, I'm going to make a pie chart that um, shows the time that Sam and Ben and I spend talking before we hit record on the actual segment versus the time that we actually record the segment. Because <laughs> I think uh, over the last four months, it's been like 90-10. We talk for like 45 minutes before we start recording. And then we do a very fun and good interview. But uh, it's we have a lot of, of things that we discuss from week to week, which is a good thing. And we bring on Benjamin Hill to say hello to all of you, even though we've been talking for quite some time already. Hi, Ben. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Sam. Yeah, we just had our segment before the segment, as we do every week. And, uh, yeah, we're going to start a, a, a subscription service uh, where yeah. you can get this uh, the show before uh, the bonus show premium. content. Yeah, premium. <laughs> so we're thinking maybe thirty nine ninety five a month. We're working it out. But uh, you can have uh, exclusive access to our unfettered, uncensored conversation. <laughs> and believe us, it's spicy. You will enjoy it. It is. It is. It is super spicy. The Scoville level, they're off the charts. I was going to say, I think that price point is a little low. I think the price point should be my yearly salary. If you want to pay me my yearly salary, we will release all the tapes. But until then... The good news is I uh, I make sure to delete all of them every week as soon as we get done recording. So so there's no incriminating evidence of any of us talking about the fact that maybe yeah. we don't actually like hot dogs at, at ball games. Maybe that's maybe that's a spicy take. That's How dare you? That was supposed to be secret. How dare <laughs> yeah. you? Off, what part of off the record don't you understand? <laughs> oh man, well it's. Uh, Obviously, a very tough week, and we we've kind of thrown the the rule book out for this week. And um, and Ben is a guy who uh, feels this, I think, to a different weight than even some of the rest of us because um, Ben has visited every single minor league ballpark uh, in this country and uh, and dozens of ones that are no longer in use and has been the the face of MILB.com basically since uh, at least since the inception of his job, if not since the inception of the site. Um, and it's this is tough. And, and Ben, you posted a, a really heartfelt video on Twitter yesterday uh, kind of giving people some of your thoughts. Um, it hasn't been yet. 24 hours since the official announcement uh, that the the season was canceled. But just take us through, you know, where you are right now, and uh, and some of the feedback that you got from posting your your thoughts on uh, on social media yesterday. Yeah, I mean, yesterday it was in a way good uh, having the season canceled, just because um, it for quite a long time now, you know, it, it, we've been very much it seemed like that was going to happen a foregone conclusion it was just waiting for you know the other shoe to drop for it to become official so there was a kind of cathartic element to yesterday uh, among myself and i'm sure a lot of people you know fans front office um you know players just you know, just to feel like okay it's official and i think there was a lot of outpouring of emotion because of that and uh even though i had been proceeding for quite some time like 
basically knowing there wasn't going to be a season, it still uh, hit me pretty hard. And, you know, I started to try to put together a, a Twitter thread on my thoughts, and that led to a video, um, you know, hey, at Ben's Biz, check it out, uh, where I kind of made my own statement. And, uh, you know, I tried to, you know, I spoke from the heart and, you know, it wasn't scripted, but I tried to strike a balance between, you know, recognizing how difficult this was and, you know, the tough situation that a lot of teams are in. And uh, some don't even know if they'll come back in any way, shape or form in 2021, given all the uncertainty. And I don't want to ever seem like I'm just, you know, rah, rah, rah with uh, while ignoring how tough things are. But I also did want to stress and, you know, I I really believe this. And it's something I said uh, last night that, you know, being in minor league baseball, and I'm sure it's true for you guys as well you know, is it's a labor of love and we, you know, we all love this world. So that's where my optimism comes from is the sense that if you're a minor league fan, if you work in minor league baseball, if you write about it, read about it, you love it. And that love is not going to go anywhere. So even in these tough times, I just think there's so many people nationwide uh, that love minor league baseball. And even though it might return in a different way, uh, it will return uh, because there's too many who love it you know, for it to not return. So that's what I'm trying to hang my hat on right now. Uh, Love will find a way. Love is the answer. Love, love, love. All the cliches. And Ben, I don't know how many discussions you've had so far with other people across the minor league community. Obviously, you're very well tapped into that. Um, But, you know, for such a decision that we all knew was likely coming and eventually it was like a Band-Aid. That's what I like to compare it to. It it got ripped off. It's going to hurt for a little while, but it it had to happen. Um, In your discussions with with front office members or people across the minor league community, what is the reaction out there to finally knowing that the season's canceled and finally being able to pivot towards other activities, much of which we've already talked about on this podcast in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think this is it's going to result in a, a lot of work to do right now as it all becomes official. And, of course, now you have to make, you know, very real decisions and very real transactions based on, you know, refunds and sponsorship agreements and all that. Uh, a lot of this won't be easy, uh, but at least with this, uh, the announcements out there, you can deal with these things as reality and not have to publicly say, well, we don't know. We're in wait and see mode. So it really in a real intangible way allow teams to move forward. Uh, unfortunately, so many of these teams are moving forward with, you know, much smaller staffs. And um, that's been you know, a tough thing. And even me right now in contacting a team, I think I'm going to do an article. You know, I've got to double check in cases to see who's still even working for the team. You know, that, that is that's rough. But for the people who are still there, um, it does allow them to plan uh, for 2021 well in most cases plan <laughs> for 2021 and uh, and that is a relief and uh you know i was talking to a uh promotions director yesterday who was like I, I i would imagine speaking for a lot of other people in a similar job to him and saying like well one good thing is that we basically have the 2021 promo schedule put together because covid did not hit during a good time for minor league teams because they had to put they put all the same budget and resources into planning for 2020 and that's a huge outlay of expense a lot of it you can't get back but you know bobbleheads don't expire giveaway items don't expire um these ideas unless it was very uh you know timely a sort of uh you know pop culture moment these ideas don't expire so i think if you look at your favorite team's 2020 promo schedule you're gonna see that when they come back and I'd recommend not contacting them for bobbleheads. Teams don't need to get rid of their bobbleheads. They'll give them away uh, once the ballpark <laughs> opens again. 
Ben, the uh, creativity of minor league teams and front offices is not um, dissuaded by anything. And I know as of yesterday already, uh, just within minutes after the official announcement, the Bowie Bay Sox had put out a tweet uh, promoting shirts touting their undefeated 2020 season. Um, when you uh, talk to people about how they can generate um, interest and income and things to, to enable these teams to make it through, you know, I mean, right now we would be just past the midway point of the minor league season. Um, what what sort of stuff do you hear? Uh, we've seen, you know, ballparks uh, hosting movie nights. There are some ballparks that are hosting high school baseball and stuff like that right now. What else do you hear from front offices about things they can do? Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of the specifics vary on the ballpark and often the region of the country in terms of the specific policies related to COVID-19. Um, but I think a lot of people in minor league baseball were already saying, you know, we're not just a baseball team. We try to the extent we can we can to be a year-round events company. And events can be tough to pull off in this environment, but I think there's just going to be more and more of an emphasis on that and an emphasis that probably won't even lessen all that much even when baseball is back of just finding ways, creative ways to maximize the ballpark uh, year-round uh, to get as much revenue coming in as you can. So we'll continue to see those creative things happening at ballparks in all ways, shape, and form. Of course, we'll see those typical minor league baseball responses like Bowie's undefeated T-shirts. Uh, I think Rochester announced some of their own. Uh, the Salem Red Sox did as well. Um, you know, we'll see we'll see interesting things like that. And, uh, you know, one thing, it just kind of popped into my head yesterday, you know, when I was uh, responding to the cancellation of the season, you know, was, you know, support your local minor league baseball team. Yeah. You know, hashtag, hashtag support your local milk team. And that is a, you know, little slogan I want to continue to get feedback on and, uh, you know, keep coming back around to because nothing can obviously replace the revenue that you get from bringing in thousands of people uh, 70 times a year. But I think people who care about minor league baseball and want it to, want to see it succeed going forward and want to see it, um, do as well as it can under these very difficult circumstances. Really, we all need to be thinking proactively about how we can support your local minor league baseball team. And um, so that is something I will continue to kind of pursue is, uh, you know, talking to teams, talking to fans. And, you know, of course, there's merch. Of course, there's an attend an event if you can. But what are some other real, tangible, creative ways we can support minor league baseball when there is no games to be played? And that's an evolving question, but I think you know, my job is always kind of involved being as positive as possible about the world I cover. And again, I don't ever want to feel like I have my head in the sand, but I want to emphasize that positivity and think about real things that people can do to support their teams. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out together, hopefully. Yeah, that's that's something I wanted to ask about was that, that hashtag. And um, you, you mentioned merch, and that, that's an easy way of doing it. And this is going to obviously be evolving as teams evolve. Um, but right now, tangibly right now, as people are listening to this podcast, probably have their phones right next to them or, or nearby or near a laptop. What What is a way b- beyond just buying five hats or something? What's a way you th- you would think a, a fan out there could support their their local team? Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of kind of working on that uh, right now, because if you can't get to the ballpark, uh, you know, because of COVID-19, um, what is that? Um, I, I think in a lot of ways we have to look at it as, um, 
you know, almost in like a political sense of more of a, you know, organizing behind this cause. And I think a lot of it is just, I think fans have to take on a, a more of a sort of a freelance marketing role for their teams and just really continuing to spread the word uh, on social media with people in their community say like, this is an asset that we have that we really will miss if we lose it. So what can we do, you know, as public citizens to, to create support for it? Um, you know, as I said, it's a, it's a, it's a work in process, but you know, so little can be taken for granted right now that I think, uh, you know, we got to think outside the box in so many ways. Well, we all uh, attempt to soldier on, and we uh, do want to, of course, continue reminding people that we're going to keep bringing you all the the best stuff that we can at MILB.com, and especially as Major League season gets closer and closer with so many top prospects on uh, so many rosters. And, um, Ben, the the ability to go ahead, obviously, is – is weird right now i think for all of us but we all have things that we're already working on and and stuff that we've got uh in our minds for you know what we want to write about next week or next month um what's some of the stuff that you've got coming up right now yeah well you know uh i've been doing these league by league uh, fun fact articles you know frivolous stuff but i do put a lot of time into them and uh have the midwest league uh, that came out earlier this week and uh 16 team league uh, lots of fun facts in there and I'll, I'll keep doing that um you know for all the remaining leagues you know south atlantic league next week um i think putting this together story right now you know again pretty frivolous but uh you know about some of my favorite fireworks related memories uh through uh, my road trips trying to kind of focus on uh some memorable moments i've had with <laughs> seeing pyrotechnics at minor league ballparks uh of course uh, going forward you know, continue and compile and promote and write about the creative things that teams are doing, whether it's an event, whether it's things they're selling, uh, whether it's initiatives they're create, creating, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll continue to have that, you know, unabated uh, as we have been doing and as we'll continue to do as we are in this midst of, uh, in the midst of this seemingly endless, but not actually endless off season. It, like all things, will come to an end. Benjamin Hill, you can find on Twitter at Ben's Biz uh, and at MILB.com slash Ben's Biz as well. And uh, thanks for all the the heartfelt words and the video. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch Ben's uh, video from yesterday um, or from Tuesday, I should say, we're recording on Wednesday, um, go go find that on uh, on his Twitter feed. And uh, a tough week, but good to, to have you to talk to this week, and uh, we'll get through it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Always good to talk to you guys as well. And I know we say it all the time, but thanks to everyone who continues to listen to this podcast yeah. and, uh, you know, who reads our work on MILB.com. Uh, maybe it goes without saying, but it shouldn't. We should say it. Thank you very much to everyone who was a part of this. Hey, before we go, I don't know if we've ever asked you this, and I know that you were included on the email that Sam, Sam sent around uh, soliciting entries, but I feel like since you get your own weekly segment, we should provide you with the, the platform right now. But I feel like you would also have the toughest time naming this. We're asking everybody about their favorite minor league memory, and you've got such a, an encyclopedic uh, wealth of minor league memories. Do you have one that stands out of, like, that's the classic minor league moment that I think of? You know, you're right. There are so many. And I've gotten various variations of this question enough times um, that I'm sure I've talked about it on this podcast. But when I do kind of try to narrow down a favorite memory, I, I pick one that was, uh, well, it, it is repeatable, but it's very hard to repeat. And it was so unique and anomalous. And uh, that was, you know, in 2016. 
during the national eclipse, you know, teams that were in the path of totality uh, staged games with built-in eclipse del- delays. And one of those teams was uh, the Columbia Fireflies in South Carolina. So I planned a road trip around the timing of the national eclipse and went to a Columbia Fireflies game that started in the early afternoon and had a built-in eclipse delay. You know, the team gave out the uh, special eclipse viewing sunglasses. It was a sellout. There was something like over 9,000 people there. And to witness that in a communal environment at a ballpark, uh, just seeing a totally normal South Atlantic League game playing out, and then to have this pause as the sky went entirely dark uh, in this just crazy, crazily memorable way. I'd never experienced an eclipse before. And just to hear the, the, the sound of awe and like this hushed you know, feeling of just being awed by nature and being awed by what we were all experiencing in this minor league ballpark and then have it get bright again. And then the game resumed like nothing had happened. And it was totally surreal, uh, totally memorable. And to me, it was an example of, you know, the way a minor league ballpark can be a gathering place for really memorable events. And so that's one I always go to. That is pretty awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you guys. Visit the MILB Fan Lounge, your destination for all things fun. Home run derby and test your minor league baseball knowledge with trivia on Tuesdays. Did we mention there will be exclusive prizes given out to one lucky fan each month? Visit MILBFanLounge.com today. Well, that theme is going to carry us through the rest of this week's episode of the show before the show, talking with Ben about his favorite memory, and uh, we're going to hear a lot of that from here on out in this episode. Um, Sam and I have been so lucky over the last few months to catch up, as we noted a little while ago, with some of the top prospects across the game of baseball and um, talking about what they've been doing since sports were put on hold and how much they miss baseball and uh, and then getting to really visit a lot about their pro careers to this point and growing up in the game and, and all of it. Um, it's been sort of strange and sort of difficult at times to have conversations with guys who are supposed to be right now in the heat of their professional love, their pursuit of their ultimate goal of reaching the major leagues and all that. And we're recording this uh, the first few days in July and Difficult and weird to not be able to talk to guys about how their season is progressing and uh, and what they've been working on and um, the things they've accomplished so far this year. Uh, but on the flip side of that, even though it has been nearly four months of this, I feel like the interviews that we have done since the pandemic hit, since sports were put on hold and all of it, have been some of the deepest and most engaging and most thoughtful and most insightful interviews that we've done uh, on this podcast ever, which the show dates back to 2015 and I know Sam and I both are really proud of the work that we've uh, been able to do, and that's all because of these athletes who have come on and have opened up so much to us over the last few months with the way the world has been. And uh, we were lucky enough to kick it off all the way back on March 18th with Christian Robinson, who is the top prospect in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. Such an exciting young player in that system, a guy who told us about what it was like growing up playing baseball in the Bahamas and how much talent is coming out of there now. Uh, And we broached this topic first with uh, Christian Robinson about his favorite minor league memory. And uh, for him, it was one that dates back to the earliest days of his professional career. My favorite minor league story of memory. that's a hard one. Oh, my my first game, my first my first pro game in front of like a a legitimate audience. You know what I mean? A, a legitimate crowd. It was in Missoula, uh, 2018, uh, a couple of years ago, and I remember it was a home game. It was my first game, and 
it was pretty crowded. It was like Friday night, so all the kids were out, and I just remember like the first play, like the first inning. Um, I was really nervous. I was hoping like, oh, I hope I don't miss a fly ball, or you know, they hit a fly ball on me and I and I get a bad read or something like that. But uh, it was two outs, and this guy hit a laser to um, Blaze and shortstop Blaze Alexander. And I remember he just jumped up and caught it. And I just remember, like, the crowd just, like, just, like, bursts of, of noise. Just, uh, you know, the, the screams, the, the, the clapping. I just remember that, that reaction. And I was just like, like, this is really football. Like, this is something different. So that was probably my, my favorite moment, um, something that stuck with me ever since. Rangers top prospect Josh Young joined us back in April. And even though he's only been in pro ball for just over a year, already had a funny minor league memory to share with us of the blooper variety. Uh, I just can't help but laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's I good. get to okay. Hickory. I get to Hickory and I get put in the locker, you know, just get in the locker. My, my locker mate is Matt Watley, Matthew Watley, catcher. So I've seen this guy on foul pool sports already for running after a foul ball, not seeing the net tripping. I've seen this video falling into the net and bouncing off of it <laughs> and bouncing off of it. So that's my expectation of Wally. So we're in Greenville playing the Red Sox um, team. I can't remember what they're called, but anyway, we're playing and it's it's been a rough day. We're facing one of their. We're probably facing their ace. It's been a rough day to play for all of us. The umpire has a big zone. We're all getting frustrated, and Wally strikes out looking. And so he's walking back to the dugout. He's got a few choice words for the umpire. And a reminder, he's catching that day too. So he's feeling <laughs> like we're getting squeezed, and now their zone is huge. So he's got a lot of words for this umpire. He's walking away. He's not turning around, but he's talking, and he's talking loud. And he's not a quiet guy. He's loud. So he's saying stuff. Umpire's like, that's it. You're, uh, you're done. Like, you can't talk anymore. He's still talking to the dugout. He throws his bat up in the little bat rack. He's walking around doing his batting gloves, looking back at the umpire, still talking. Next thing you know, there's a pole, and his head hits the pole. He doesn't even <laughs> see it coming. He just runs smack into the pole. Oh, no. And we're all sitting there. We're all sitting there trying to have his back. But there's, the video ended up on foul pole again. But there's guys in the background like, we couldn't contain ourselves with the amount of just laughter we had. Like, we're getting our butts beat. And our catcher just runs into a pole arguing. And let alone, as he's running into the pole, he got tossed. So not only is his day done. He's got a bruise on his eye, and he's got to live with just the embarrassment of running into the pole. I got. It was by far the best moment of my summer. Third-ranked Cincinnati Reds prospect Tyler Stevenson, a guy who we kept on the phone for about 40 minutes after this interview was over, uh, described his favorite minor league memory, the type of moment that most of us can only dream about. Ooh. Probably hitting a walk-off homer in uh, Daytona. That I mean, just something everybody. I mean, every kid when they're younger dreams about hitting a walk-off homer, like bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, World Series game seven. <laughs> I mean, every every baseball kid has had that going through their mind at some point in the front yard or whatever. Um, obviously, it wasn't a grand slam; it was a solo home run. But still, 
um, that was fun. I mean, I, I remember hitting it and then um, thinking I was like, that might go. And then it was just like, I don't know, once I think officially saw it was over, I just completely blacked out. And <laughs> I don't know what happened after that in terms of once I hit home plate and bucket of water gets dumped on me. And it was awesome. For Giants' number nine prospect, Sean Jelly, it was all about bouncing back in his first full season. Yeah, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go with, with just kind of our season in San Jose last year. Um, and, you know, I, like you guys said, I, I joined the team uh, about a little bit later than this time last year. It's, it was end of May, and I spent most of the year with them. And, you know, in the middle of June, we were, I don't know how many games out of the playoffs and out of first place. And, um, you know, we were, we were we were struggling a little bit, as, as each team does. And, excuse me, by the end of the year, we, uh, we had turned it around and, and, you know, made the playoffs. And, you know, I, I – wasn't able to be there for that they had um they had moved me to richmond before um that season ended and and before the playoffs started but just you know seeing that you know they had finished it off and made it to the playoffs was pretty awesome because like i said we were we were struggling right in the middle of it uh in in june and early july but just seeing that turnaround and uh watching them you know san jose made the playoffs Uh, i saw that and i like it was awesome it was super cool and it was it was fun to say that i was a part of that team that that turned it around like that and that's that's always going to be a top memory for me for sure rocky's number four prospect ryan valet a guy who comes from a baseball family uh told us about his favorite minor league moment one that dates all the way back to the first time he stepped in the box as a professional ball player my favorite memory memory has to be um at least so far was my first professional at bat. Uh, I was playing in Idaho Falls against the Royals farm system team. And my first at bat, I hit a 2-2 uh, home run. And uh, so my first at bat, I hit a home run of my pro career. Um, that was a pretty special moment. Uh, when I hit it, I didn't even feel the ball come off my bat. As soon as I hit, I put my head down and just started sprinting as hard as I could because it was more of a line drive home run. Uh, and I remember I didn't even know where the ball went, but I saw the umpire signal as a home run. I just remember yelling across, around second base. Uh, talk about uh, an exciting way to start a career. Um, I know there, there's a lot of guys that, you know, a lot their first big league uh, hit is a homer, and and mine my first pro uh, at bat was a homer. I can't imagine, uh, you know, starting my career like that. Uh, so that was definitely a very special moment for me, uh, and definitely a favorite uh, memory for me. Um, Going back to whenever I was a kid in the minors, one of my favorite memories was just being able to see uh, one guy who I'm really close with is Elvis Andrews and just being able to hang out with him and uh, talk to him. And, you know, he was 18, 19 years old when I first met him. Um, So just being able to hang out with him, see how he went about his business as a young kid and seeing him grow. And I think he's had over 10 years of the bigs now. Uh, You know, my dad and him are still in touch every once in a while. Um, you know, and hopefully one day I'll get to play against them. I actually got to uh, play against them this year in spring training, and we, you know, kind of, you know, give a little thumbs up to each other. Um, so that was really, that was a really special moment for me, um, you know, as a kid watching him grow up and then, you know, sharing the field with them. Royals' number six prospect, Chris Bubich, led the minor leagues in strikeouts last season. But the moments he treasures most are one of his shortest outings of the year and two of his longest. Ooh. Favorite minor league moment. Um, couple things. I'd say 
I'll pick two. Obviously, one is the Futures game. Um, obviously, when the season starts, I had I really had no expectation. and That wasn't even in my mind, mind that I was even going to have a chance to go to something like that. Um, so when I did, obviously, it's a pretty surreal moment to be surrounded by guys that were the top prospects and in the game and names that you're hearing every day and guys that are going to be on big league rosters pretty soon, or if not already. Um, and then obviously getting to enjoy the fanfare of kind of an all-star weekend and see what it's like. That was just a really cool experience. And then the kind of the moment I had in, it was in August um, when I had the back-to-back complete games, um, as I mentioned, I, I, I've always struggled pitching deep into games because I've had high pitch counts. I was the king of, five innings, 100 pitches in, in college, just probably because I had two pitches and people would just foul them off and i get in deep counts. Um, but being able to prove to myself that I could do that, um, let alone throw back-to-back complete games, which to this day, I, I really don't know like how I did that. Um, I think I just had everything working, those, those two back-to-back outings. Um, but that's something I'll always kind of go back on and if I'm having, I don't know, a tough time on the mound or I feel myself like out of sync, then I can always go back to those outings and kind of watch the video from that and, and see when I'm at my best. Los Angeles Dodgers landed a gem when they traded for Josiah Gray from the Cincinnati Reds, who broke out last year and became his organization's pitcher of the year. And uh, in a run through the postseason with Double A Tulsa, the top moment of his minor league career stood out. Man, I would say I have a lot. But uh, I'll throw back to Tulsa again. Uh, when we clinched um, to go to the championship series, you know, we beat a really, really good Arkansas team with, honestly, they'll have nine-plus big leaguers on that team eventually. Uh, you know, we went into that series, and that whole year, uh, the guys were telling me that Arkansas would beat them up, and we took them to five games and ended up winning on our home field a, a day game, and really hard fought battle and you could tell that both teams were really fighting tooth and nail to win this game. But once we won that game and uh, clinched that to go to the championship series, that really was like, wow, kind of like, this is what it feels like to win. And I mean, it is double A baseball, but you know, you try to enjoy it as much as you can. And that was probably the best moment in recent memory because of, you know, we had a lot of guys from uh, rent that started in Rancho and made it to Tulsa at the end of the year. I know I started in Great Lakes, made it to Tulsa. So you had a lot of guys that didn't start the year with the Tulsa team, but, you know, they're all really important pieces to clinching that championship series. So that really uh, is a really memorable moment for me. I wish we would have pulled it out against Amarillo there in game five, but, you know, that was something I'll never forget because of how, crazy and how um, tight, tightly knit we were in trying to win all those games. Mariners top prospect Jared Kelnick joined the show last month and discussed his move to AA Arkansas, which featured a ton of travel with family by his side. Um, my favorite minor league story would probably be um, when I got called up from high A to AA because I literally, it was the third inning and my manager said, hey, man, um, pack up your stuff. You're going to double A. And my family, my my dad and my brother actually flew in to come watch me play that night. And they were in the stands. And my mom was in the air on her way to the game. And I remember I 
called my dad down from the stands, told him that I was going to double A. And we, like I kind of, I mentioned on a little bit, but we had to drive two and a half hours from San Jose to Modesto, pack up all my stuff in my home locker, then drive to my um, host family's house, pack up my entire thing at their house, my entire room at their house, then drive two and a half hours back. And we ended up getting back to my, our hotel at, like I want to say it was like 1.30 in the morning or 2 or something like that. Or I think it was about 1.30. And I had to hop on a flight at 6 o'clock the next morning and fly out to um, Springfield, Missouri to play in my first double A game on like two and a half hours of sleep. We had such a long and fascinating conversation with Nick Heath from the Kansas City Royals organization last month. And uh, for Nick, it wasn't just one moment that has stood out throughout his minor league career. It's the same type of moment. He's just been lucky enough to have it happen several times already as a pro. My favorite minor league memory. That's a really, really good question. I would say, I can't say memory, but I will say memories is each time I get called up because Sometimes, sometimes I'll leave the park and I'm like, man, I'm doing, I'm doing it. Like I'm doing well. I'm doing good enough. I, I know I can go up there and compete. When's it gonna happen for me? Like, am I gonna go up there? Is it gonna be the end of the road? Do like I fizzle out in Double A? Do I fizzle out in Triple A? And then, and then I get the call. I'm going to high. I get the call. I'm going to Double A. I get the call. I'm going to Triple A. And each time, man, I just stop. And I reflect on the year, the couple seasons before, and the journey, and just, man, I. I'm so thankful. I am so, so thankful that I get the opportunity to come out here and do what I love each day. So I'm not going to say that I have a favorite memory, but getting called up each time, it kind of just instills that in me that, look, man, you're this close. You got to push a little bit harder, be a little more solidified in your work, and like, and, and just trust it and trust that like your ability is going to get you there. Your ability is going to keep you there, but you got to keep doing the work. So I think, yeah, my favorite memory is, is each level, like each time I get called to say that I'm going to the next level. So I've got maybe four or five of those memories just locked in. Marlins number two prospect, J.J. Bleday, hasn't been in the minors long. So his best memories for now are saved for off the field. Favorite minor league moment. See, I haven't been, I haven't been, I only played, I think, 40 games the minors, so I feel like I've really <laughs> been there that, that often to, to develop a bunch of memories. But, oof, favorite one. Um, I don't know. I just, I just say playing some intense ping pong games before and after some games. <laughs> whether, whether I mean, I mean, I'm talking intense. There's some good ping pong players in the Miami Marlins organization i'll tell you that right now you got braxton and garrett humberto mejia you got some good quality talent in, in terms of ping pong on that squad so that's probably what I, what I remember most of the intense ping pong matches 2019 first overall pick adley rutchman uh who we had a lengthy conversation with uh it was a team moment that stood out to adley as his favorite minor league moment from his first pro season um i mean i i think aberdeen um you know we had a we had a game winner um it was, I think it was like bottom nine. We had a game winner and um, it was basically two outs, runner on second. And we had a single to drive in the winning run. And um, just, you know, we all kind of just stormed the field, uh, took out the Gatorade, took out the water coolers and just, you know, dumped it on, uh, you know, the, the guy who hit it. And basically 
Uh, it was just one of those cool moments that kind of brought me back to college and just the excitement that everyone had for winning a game. Uh, it was it was a fun moment, and, and just to have that. After that, we actually you know got on a bus and drove nine hours to somewhere else, but uh, it was an exciting time and uh, just kind of brought me back to those those college days. Royals 2019 first-rounder Bobby Witt Jr. was still getting used to the rigors of pro ball when he experienced his favorite minor league moment via a teammate and now close friend. Favorite minor league moment is probably during instructional league this past this past year and when my roommate was Eric Pena. I don't it wasn't probably like my favorite but I think the most enjoyable one and just to kind of last last back at it was my roommate Eric Pena, he was 16-year-old, he's a stud from Dominican Republic and he hits a home run and he's running around the bases and he's so excited this guy and he's running and he misses home plate. <laughs> and so he was just we were we were all we were all just flat, like no way what just happened and he and he didn't even he didn't really care or anything it was an instructional game but we go back to the room and we're just cracking up he goes I can't believe I did that we're just dying laughing and then I mean just that and just being around those guys like that is if I think it's been awesome just to be around the guys from Dominican Venezuela or wherever they're from just to get kind of get into that cultural change but that moment was just something I'll never forget and just him being my roommate and us kind of going back talking about it and laughing at it and and whenever if you ever you guys ever talk to Eric Pena he's one of the Royals prospects just ask him about uh, the Chick-fil-a strawberry shakes he, he loves it <laughs> <laughs> okay but here's my question about the homer it was I know it was an instruct scheme but did the team in the field appeal and get him out Yes, they actually did. That's what. Uh, oh, man. He, he was just kind of. He was in the dugout giving everyone high fives, and they feel they got out. He, he didn't. He didn't really. It was. It was just funny. It was just a moment that you kind of just look back at and laugh. This is Josh Jackson saying hello to Sam and to Tyler, and I'm saying hello to all of you, uh, the show before the show listeners out there on Radioland. Um, and I want to tell you, if you let me, just uh, a little bit about why I love minor league baseball. Um, I love minor league baseball because there is just this feeling at the beginning of the night of just such uh, potential. And that's true anytime you go to a baseball game, but in the minors, it's it's just it's magnified tremendously because um, you're watching. Uh, well, like two summers ago, you're watching Jordan Alvarez, you're watching Pete Alonso, and you know that most fans don't know their names yet. And and gee, maybe tonight they're gonna do something special. And you're there. And and tonight, look, we've got um, we've got Mackenzie Gore pitching, and he's supposed to turn it to something special. Tonight could be a special night for these players, and this could be a special career for these players, and you know it's supposed to be as, as they move on to the big leagues and bigger ballparks and in bigger cities, but tonight it's a Tuesday, and it's a little bit rainy, and uh, we're in Binghamton, and we're in Fresno, and we're in Lake Elsinore, and you know, there's there's only a few hundred of us, and it's it's just our thing. It's a special night for us, and there's just all this potential. Then, you know, the evening is is winding on, and the innings start to tick by, and and maybe our um, maybe our Jordan Alvarez he hasn't done anything yet. He hit a couple ground balls and flew out. Um, maybe Mackenzie Gore was just so so, and he's already out of the game, and 
But you know what? Maybe maybe there's another guy who's having a big night, and he's somebody nobody's really talked about all that much yet. And and now all of a sudden he's become one of your favorite guys to watch, and and you're just as excited about him and his future, and to follow him as he goes through the the levels and up to the big leagues as you are about those other guys. And um, then soon, you know, now it's it's starting to wind down. The night is coming to an end. It's suddenly the eighth inning, and you start to realize. Wait, it's not so much the potential that you love. It's not really about wondering about what these guys are going to do in the future in some faraway city. and It's not even really the anticipation of what they're going to do over the next inning or the next at-bat. It's just about the time you spent at the ballpark tonight with your family and your friends. And maybe you made some new friends too. And... It's it's just now, it's just tonight, being there, this fun you had, this fun you're having at this ballpark tonight. That's why I love minor league baseball. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey Hennigan. There are so many special things to love about the minor leagues. My earliest baseball memories are from spending summers at Brevard County Manatees games. It's where I learned to love the game. And years later, when I got a job working for MILB.com, I realized just how large the minor league world really is. In my six and a half years here, I enjoyed talking to players and sharing their stories on the road to the majors. And in the past couple years, through social media, I've gotten the chance to interact with fans even more. And I continue to be awestruck by how dedicated they are. One of my favorite things about the minors, though, is the community. So many times I'll meet someone at a party or even the grocery store, And they'll tell me where they're from and I'll respond with, oh, where the Dash play? Or do you go to Drillers games? And their eyes will light up. They're so happy to hear someone bring up such a special part of their childhood. It's truly a remarkable thing how many lives have been touched by the minor leagues. I look forward to minor league baseball returning in 2021. But until then, the community will be here. Andrew Batiferano here one of the writers at MILB.com. The thing that sticks out to me about minor league baseball is the passion from everyone involved. Two years ago, I did a story in Lynchburg, Virginia, and the two broadcasters for the Winsome Salem Dash, Joe Weil and Jake Eisenberg, helped me out to do that story. And they were just so passionate about their jobs and the players they covered and just the stories that they told. It was just incredible to see how much they cared about their job. And I think it's just a microcosm of the people that work and follow minor league baseball, whether in the front office or they're in the concession stands or broadcasting or writing or following it. Uh, People are just so passionate about the game. And it's just one of those things that's always made me enjoy minor league baseball. And I cannot wait to see it come back when baseball does return. My name is Michael Avalon. I'm an editorial producer with MinorLeagueBaseball.com. A lot of different memories for me uh, throughout my years going to minor league games and experiencing the the fun of minor league culture. Um, But one that sticks out is uh, being a kid growing up. Uh, I grew up in Hawaii, actually. And at that point in the mid-1980s, when I was six, seven years old, uh, we had the Hawaii Islanders, the Pirates AAA team in the Pacific Coast League. And uh, I went to a bunch of games out there, not really knowing what or who I was seeing, just having fun with my dad and uh, my younger brother. Uh, But there was one guy in particular who I did get a chance to see play. My father kept score. He still has a scorecard. Barry Bonds. 
back in 1986, right before he got called up to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I uh, didn't know who I was seeing at the time, didn't know what I was seeing at the time, but uh, it, it was an interesting introduction to baseball for me and uh, great memories that uh, I'll never forget. What's up? It's Gerard Gilberto. Um, of the thousand things I love about the Miners, I, I think missing the game has made me realize something that I, I kind of overlook a lot, and that's sort of the sense of community that the ballpark brings. It's corny, I know, but really no matter where you're at. Like, I have a oddly deep memory bank involving Keyspan Park, or MCU Park is what they call it now, and, and, and that's Brooklyn, which, like, the borough itself is one of the biggest cities in America, but you go there and it's like you're in a, a town with 10,000 people. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, I, I've played high school games on that field, charity softball games on that field. I almost got in a fist fight on that field. I snuck beers in the dugout of that field. I, it's a weirdly deep connection that I have to a place that I got real no business being in such a big city. But, uh, I mean, I, I stood next to a player for the national anthem as a little leaguer on that field. I... I watched my buddy drop a pen on Howard Johnson's head trying to get his autograph at that field. My grandmother threw out the first pitch at a game, geez, from a wheelchair like five years ago. I, I, it's a just a weird personal connection you have to a big franchise. And But again, even, even with that and all that personal stuff and the regular distractions at a minor league game, I, I still love that the, the main event is and sort of always will be baseball. I mean, you, you take someplace big like Brooklyn or smaller town somewhere else, and that's what they want. It's baseball. It always will be baseball, and there always will be more baseball. Hi, I'm Rob Terranova, and I've been with MILB.com since 2017. And my favorite thing about minor league baseball is the experience, the game experience, the fun. I remember my first minor league game, I was living in San Diego, and I had a chance to go cover the Lake Elsinore Storm, and I was just blown away by the crowd and the talent and how family-friendly everything is. And then the accessibility to the players as well. Here, guys, you're getting to meet the stars before the stars and you can meet them after the game and take pictures and autographs and it was just awesome and I remember my first game as a fan I was in Staten Island it was a Friday night and it was just an awesome game start to finish meet up with your buddies have a few drinks no one has to break the bank and then afterwards if it's a Friday night you usually get a fireworks show and it just all ties together and I always tell people when they ask me what is it about minor league baseball that's so great and I say it's America's best kept secret. And that's usually met with an eye roll or a raise of the eyebrow, but it's the truth. It really is America's best kept secret. And I just hope that now that secret is out and that we can get back to the fun and the experience and really all the awesomeness that is minor league baseball in 2021. Stay safe. Hey everyone, this is Katie Wu. You know, when I first took this job with MILB.com, I admittedly didn't really know much about the minor leagues. And that was a huge reason why I wanted to work here. You know, I wanted to submerge myself into a part of the game that I previously really didn't have much exposure in. 
I had no idea just how much minor league baseball would come to mean to me, not just in my career, but personally too. To me, MILB represents baseball to its core. It's, you know, the the grassroots of the sport. It's the small town, family-friendly environment that baseball was really built to thrive on. And to me, it truly embodies all there is to love about the sport. But from a career perspective, the minor leagues have provided me with an opportunity to do what I love and what I really feel like is my purpose in life, and, and that is to tell stories. Minor league players will be the first to tell you that the grind in the minors is unparalleled to any other sport, and I've had the privilege to be able to express that, to write about that, to, to tell people that. You know, whether it's evaluating the overall progress of a top prospect or getting the call when a career journeyman finally gets his call up. Uh, It's hearing the bewilderment in a player's voice when he rips a three or sometimes even four homer game. Whether it's diving into the friendship of two teammates and the challenges they've overcome together as they grow through a team system. Uh, Kind of understanding the mental health aspect of the sport and how it affects players and coaches alike. You know, there are just so many underlying storylines in the minors and being able to tell even a small fraction of them and getting to engage with fans and and knowing these players and coaches as people is something I will never take for granted. I've met some truly wonderful people in MILB from some of the honestly best co-workers and colleagues at MILB.com. Seriously, you'd, you'd be so hard pressed to find a more dedicated, kind, or just overall fun staff. I've met other writers and broadcasters and team personnel. And the one thing we all collectively have in common really is our passion for this sport. Minor League Baseball will be back and we'll have a stronger appreciation for it when it does return. Obviously the news this week was sad and it's okay to be disappointed, but it also made me realize this. The minor leagues is a very special place to be and I feel really lucky to be a part of it. So I'll see you guys opening night which I already can't wait for. It's going to be one heck of a party. Hey, this is Brian Stoltz from MILB.com. When trying to think of uh, my favorite part about minor league baseball, it has to do, I mean, it has to be the quirkiness of everything that goes on between 20-run games, milestones every night, you know, three home runs, cycles, no-hitters, to the promotions that uh, teams plan, you know, every year. You know, it's nice to see that Kevin from the office is out throwing the first pitch and doing Kevin things. And um, it's just amazing that the promotions that keeps fans coming back and enjoying the experience. And uh, it's just a great part of Americana and what makes the game so great. Hey everyone, this is Joe Bloss. I'm one of the editorial producers at MILB.com. I think when I I try to think about what one of my favorite things is about minor league baseball, it kind of has to do with the the paradox of, of, I guess, what minor league baseball is and that a a lot of the people who work in it and around it and are fans of it, they love it so much, but the goal of it is always to leave. Um, You know, if, if you're a player, a coach, a broadcaster, an athletic trainer... Uh, maybe a front office executive, you want to get out and you want to get to the major leagues. Um, So even though you love it, the point is to leave. And as I've been around minor league baseball the last year and a half that I've worked here, and and even before that as a fan, um, I think some of my favorite people that I've met in the games are the the ones who've never left. Um, So a a few people that come to mind, 
um, would be the first is, is I went to Syracuse University and the Syracuse Chiefs. Now the Syracuse Mets were only a few miles from campus, and I did a few stories for uh, this the school newspaper there. And uh, Donnie Johnston was the press box manager at at, at uh, N- NBT Bank Stadium, and he was the nicest guy I probably ever met. Uh, as soon as you walk in the press box, he'd ask you, um, you know, do you want a hot dog? Do you want a soda? Can I get you a stats pack? You know, he'd, he'd chew your ear off for pretty much all game, unless you asked him to step away so you could do some work but but basically he he made sure whatever you needed you could get and then more recently in in this job someone that I've dealt with was Sean McCall the Lake Elsinore Storm broadcaster I think this year was going to be his 25th season with the Storm and uh, I talked for talked to him for a story in the off season and he was so knowledgeable so kind um, really could talk forever and it's people like Sean and Donnie who have been in minor league baseball forever, know what it's about, and are really great ambassadors of the game that I think are some of my favorite people and, and favorite things about minor league baseball. Thanks for listening. Hi there. This is Jordan Wolf, editorial producer for MILB.com. I've been a part of our operation here for about a year and a half now, and I have to say, This year and a half has been home to the most fun I've ever had working in journalism. I've interviewed hundreds of players over my time in the industry, including all-stars, Hall of Famers, and even a few of my childhood heroes. But while that was all good and fun, none of it quite compares to the feeling I get from interviewing a minor league ball player. Talking to a top prospect is obviously great and exciting, as it lets me briefly walk alongside them on their path to the majors. When I get the chance to talk to a lesser touted or even an unranked guy, somebody who's fought tooth and nail for his way onto a roster, or somebody whose success is driven by their commitment to and passion for the game, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to speak with them and tell their story. Hearing the excitement in their voice after what was probably the best game of their life brings a smile to my face, as is knowing that when I'm writing a story, I'm giving them a memory that they'll have for the rest of their lives. It hurts deeply knowing that I won't get the chance to tell as many of those stories this summer, but if there's any solace to be found here, it's knowing that minor league baseball will be back before we know it, and when it is, those stories will feel all that more special to all of us. say goodbye here in a moment for this week's episode of the show before the show one thing that uh i think we should continue to uh push to you is that we're not going anywhere um we'll be back next week we'll be talking with prospects we'll be leading you through the the run-up to the major league season and beyond and uh, obviously there is so much uncertainty in the world uh at large and especially in the the world of sports right now we're going to be here for you, and our terrific staff is going to continue um, pushing out the, the best content in baseball media on MILB.com day after day and week after week. So uh, don't fret. We're not saying goodbye to the podcast. We're not saying goodbye to you, uh, but we're, we're just signing off for this week. So, so don't worry about that. But uh, we owe you some minor league memories, and Sam owes you a, a nationwide prospect fun fact. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll start with the nationwide prospect fun fact, and then I'll go back to the memories. But, um, you know, looking at – the the data uh from 2019 uh according to what i have 4669 uh players received at least one plate appearance in the minor leagues last year 
4,669. Then that's not counting pitchers, and I, I could get into that, and that's going to complicate the research a little bit. But um, that's a lot of plate appearances, obviously, that we're going to miss, but that's a lot of people who aren't going to be able to play the minors. Uh, a lot of these guys are playing in the player pools and they're going to get work elsewhere and whatever. Um, but in terms of in a minor league stadium and stepping up to bat, kind of like what Moonlight Graham described in Field of Dreams, uh, you know, looking out at the p- pitcher, trying to say, give me your best stuff and I'll see what I can do. Uh, 4,669 guys got to do that last year. Nobody will this year. If you needed any other number, uh, or just fact to kind of drive that home. That's what we got this week. So just th- something to think about, something to wrap your mind around with what's being lost this year. But hopefully, you know, we get close to 5,000 guys uh, stepping up to a, to the plate and getting at least one plate appearance next year, and, and we're back and, and talking about baseball, actual baseball, what's happening on the field again soon. So uh, we will wrap it up with this. We both have so many minor league memories to, to draw on. I thought it was cool that, uh, that Ben was able to come up with one with all the experiences that he's had at minor league ballparks and with minor league fans and teams and players and all of it. Um, but, Sam, when you uh, are asked by people what it is that you love about minor league baseball, what's your, your favorite minor league memory? Yeah, my, my favorite minor league memory, um, I'll keep it to one, and it's amazingly not Bronson Arroyo throwing a no-hitter uh, for the Pawtucket Red Sox, which was really <laughs> neat. And I think I wrote about that. But the one I, I cling to, and Tyler, you know this well, it, when you're working the night shift, when you're working minor league baseball on a busy day, and it feels like your head is spinning, and there's so many games going on, and we're trying to figure out what to write, what's most notable, which performance is worthy of a full story, um, which one we might put in a roundup, stuff like that. You, you get a little dulled to what is big, what what is important, um, what seems special. And the amount of times that we've had we've seen two homer games and just put it off to the side and like, well, it's not a three homer game or this guy's not a top 100 prospect. It doesn't really matter. Um, I remember going to one of my first Pawtucket games and Michael Coleman, you probably don't know much about him. He played a little bit for the Yankees. He was a pretty big prospect at one point. He played a little bit for the Red Sox. He came back to the Red Sox at one point. But anyways, Michael Coleman hit two home runs. And I remember thinking, you know, at the time I was like nine or ten. This guy is awesome. He's the greatest power hitter I've ever seen live. The Sox need to call him up now. He needs to be the, the starting left fielder for the next decade. If this guy can hit two home runs in a game, this guy is special. That is happening every day. In minor league baseball and when we write about games we're following games we're watching on milb tv what have you i try to remember that and remember that there's some kid in that audience maybe it's on a school day or you know where all the kids come in and education day excuse me uh or maybe it's a regular sunday or maybe it's a, a tuesday night and his mom or dad brought him to the game because he got a good report card or she don't mean to just say he and use that pronoun um what they're going to take away from that game might help them get closer to the game. It, it might be the memory that sticks with them for decades on. I, I'm now 30 years old. That game is 20 years ago with Michael Coleman. I still remember the second homer he hit and it going to left and just thinking like, wow, two home runs in a game is insane. Um, it, if you're somebody like me, it literally might help start your career. Uh, it might be the game in which you really fall in love with, with baseball and the minors in general. Um, so that's that's what I cling to in this job is knowing that 
every day is the potential for something special and every day something special does happen in the minor leagues we don't know where we don't know if it's going to be in portland if it's going to be in lake elsinore if it's going to be in palm beach if it's going to be in wisconsin great lakes whatever um but every day is the potential for something special. And, uh, you know, I cling to my special memories. And hopefully a lot of you at home have, have something similar. And this is making you think of the exact same thing. But, Tyler, you, you've experienced it from all over, from a writing perspective, from a broadcasting perspective, from a fan perspective. Um, so what what minor league memories do you cling to? Yeah, I mean, they're... There really are so many of them. You heard uh, so many of our guests in the segment with our player interviews, and so many guys say, "Oh man, you know, how do I just pick one?" That's a really good question, and um, and that's uh, I'm very much in that boat too. I I know you know I've got minor league memories that go all the way back to uh, when I was little before Denver had a, a major league franchise. The now Wichita Wind Surge, formerly the New Orleans Baby Cakes, formerly the New Orleans Zephyrs, were previously the Denver Zephyrs, and that was the the first baseball that I ever really went to. And that was the story that I submitted. We did a, a story uh, for the site of minor league uh, MILB.com writers' favorite memories. And the story that I submitted was uh, remembering watching fireworks at, at Old Mile High Stadium when, you know, it's a triple A baseball game that would get 60, 70,000 people there because the fireworks show was so good every year. And um, they were playing in an NFL stadium, which is such a weird situation anyway. But uh, since I started play, uh, broadcasting and, uh, and being around players and front offices and, and all that kind of stuff all the way back in, in 2009 and then um, starting here at MILB.com in 2014, um, I've had so many different types of experiences and stories. And the thing that, that always speaks most to me is uh, the idea and the reality that we as broadcasters or as reporters um, or as front office members are lucky enough to be conduits to the game that people love, and especially when it's a family thing. And I, I never forgot you know, the, the emails that I would get when I was a broadcaster from players' families um, that would say, you know, you help us feel so much closer to our son because we get to tune in and listen. And uh, this is back before the days of, of MILB.TV, at least at the Class A advanced level, uh, when I was in Myrtle Beach and, and Altoona. When I was in AA, we had, we had Milk TV. But um, one of my favorite memories is uh, we had a, an outfielder. Well, he was kind of an everything guy, but uh, an infielder slash outfielder uh, in the Atlanta organization named Cole Miles. And uh, Cole was a, a Utah kid and um, was a uh, just one of the nicest guys that you would ever meet, but also rarely talked. Uh, he was just a, a really reserved kind of dude, and he ended up playing baseball um, in the, the Atlanta organization for, I think, five seasons, uh, 06 to 2010-ish. Uh, but he was with us through 2009 and, and the bulk of the 2010 season, and just remember always hearing from Cole's family, always hearing from Cole's parents. And uh, we had a, a running gag in 2009 on the broadcast, me and uh, a broadcast partner of mine and anybody else who would come in uh, to the, the booth. I find Laffy Taffy jokes, like terrible dad jokes, to be hilarious. And uh, so we had a gag for a while where somebody would read a Laffy Taffy joke on the radio and I would just bust out laughing. Um, so this is probably like midway through the season – July, I want to say, and uh, one of our interns uh, comes into the booth, and it's a little while before first pitch, and we hadn't gone on for the pregame show or anything yet, and um, and says, hey, there's a there's a woman outside that's looking for you, um, and I was like, well, that's kind of weird, so I walk outside, and uh, and there's a, a lady standing there holding a grocery bag, 
And she says, hey, are you Tyler? And I said, yeah. And she said, I'm Cole Miles' mom. And I was like, oh, hey, it's so great to meet you. They had emailed and, you know, we'd kind of we'd give shout outs on the radio for players, families so we knew we were listening and all that kind of stuff. And uh, she just, you know, I just really wanted to thank you guys for everything you do for us and, um, you know, and helping us to feel so close to, to Cole. And Cole had a, a childhood friend named Braden Schleyhuber who was also in the Atlanta system. And they played together, I think, in 2010 on that Myrtle Beach team that I worked for. Um, and, uh, and before she leaves, she says, I also brought you something. I was like, well, what is this? And she reaches into the, the grocery bag, and she pulls out these two giant bags of Laffy Taffy. Um, and I oh, hate, yeah. hate Laffy Taffy, but I love Laffy Taffy jokes. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, I walked back in and sat down in the booth and probably started crying from how much it moved me. Um, but just to feel like we get to be a little snippet in people's stories, um, you know, since the, the writing side, um, I have – always been proudest of uh, a story that I wrote for the site um, probably four years ago now about a, a brief stint in a, a professional organization um, for a pitcher named Steve Namark, who was drafted by the Houston Astros uh, in the 40th round in 2015 uh, out of Angelo State, which was a junior college. Um, and Steve had not had an easy life or an easy road to get to pro ball. He was set to go play college ball out of high school, um, out of school in Arizona. He's from Tucson. Um, basically, I think two or three weeks before Steve was supposed to go to campus, uh, there was a change in the staff. They brought in a new coaching staff. They called him and said, you're not in our plans. We can't give you a scholarship. We can't give you anything to come down here. You don't have a spot in the roster. So... His plan was, all right, well, I'll go, you know, just get a job for a year, and next year I'll enroll somewhere. And, you know, one year turned into two years, and his his father got really sick, and his brother had chronic health issues, and his mom was working multiple jobs to try to support the family. And uh, so Steve was in a position where he couldn't really just put everything on hold and go play baseball. Um, and he just got sucked into this life of uh, a bunch of jobs that he didn't like and, and really difficult work from – working at, at fast food places to working at calling centers to, you know, all these things that uh, he really wasn't happy doing. Um, and finally just decided that he had to give it all one more shot. He was working at a, a fast food restaurant and a, a guy who he had played with in high school came through the drive through and said that he had just gotten signed by the Pirates and he was headed to spring training. And uh, Steve kind of took that as his moment of like, I can't give up on this yet. And uh, he was already, I think, 20 or 21 by that point, um, decided that he was going to go pitch in a, just a men's league um, and was spotted there by a college scout, got signed to a junior college, uh, ended up going to a, a Division II school. I think I said uh, that the school that he was drafted from, Angelo State, was a junior college. It's not. It's a D2 school. Um, he got drafted there and, uh, and ended up in his one season in the Astros organization pitching at four different levels, putting up an ERA of 1.47. He got to Class A Advanced, uh, where he put up a 2.08 ERA and a couple of appearances in the California League that year and uh and just one of those stories that is so perfectly minor league and it didn't last longer than one season for steve but i know he uh i think he ended up going back to school getting a a degree and uh was working last i heard from him um with uh, an athletic supply company of some kind and, and was really happy with his job and with his work and all that um but those are the things that when we get to tell stories and we get to be part of people's lives nothing compares to that um you know we're not supposed to be the story which is probably 
kind of weird to hear from a, a guy who is a broadcaster and hosts multiple podcasts and is really loudly, annoyingly outspoken on social media and all that. But we're not. We're, we're here to tell stories, not to be stories. And it's such a privilege for us to get to be that for people. Um, and the, the minor leagues provide so many beautiful stories and so many unlikely stories and so many diverse stories uh, of, of guys who come from backgrounds um, that you would never expect putting them into into professional baseball in the United States. And they all end up, you know, in this melting pot that is a, a professional baseball clubhouse that is not a perfect institution, but um, has the, the ability to bring us toward a more perfect institution. Um, you know, from from the guys who are on the field to the the men and women in front offices, and um, you know, umpires and trainers and support staff and and coaches and managers and all of it, um, it's a, a very incredible world to be a part of. And like any family, it can drive you insane sometimes. Uh, but ultimately, the love that we feel for for minor league baseball supersedes everything, and uh, it's it's difficult to be living in a world where we're not going to have it this year but as so many people have said that's going to make it so much sweeter next year when we do see that first pitch thrown in a minor league stadium i want to go back to what you said in the uh the first segment and, and we, we can end it there but um you said something along the lines of minor league baseball reminds us of who we are on our best days um and, and everything you went through there uh pretty much sums all that up and fits neatly within that package but um yeah when we do get back in april of 2021 assuming everybody's safe assuming we're we're in a place where we can all gather again and enjoy the game those will be our best days yeah wholeheartedly agree and uh as as ben said last segment as i know sam and i have have said throughout the the quarantine era and the pandemic and and the protests and all of it um we all cherish and value and love you for your support of us so much um sam ran the numbers last week and uh in june we saw it increased um downloads and listenership uh compared to may which was higher than april which was higher than march and uh to be honest, that baffles me um, that that we've been able to reach uh, and continue reaching a wider and wider audience, and it means the world to us that we could uh, be a couple of, of voices that hopefully bring a little bit of happiness and light into your life in an otherwise really dark time for a lot of us um, that I cannot even begin to put into words what that means to us. And uh, and we thank you a, a million times over for all of your support and for uh, for being behind us through all of this. And uh, and we'll all get through it together. We're going to we're going to be here continuing to push out stories and, and interviews and podcasts. And soon, within three weeks, hopefully we'll be talking about real baseball and talking about what prospects are doing on fields in places. And um, that'll feel really good. So with that, we're going to say goodbye this week uh, in a similar way to how we said hello to you. Uh, there was C.A. Waller, my uncle, who is a blues musician in Lincoln, Nebraska, who gave us the intro. And uh, the outro for this week is something uh, with a kind of similar sound and a similar feel. And it's from uh, a dude who is a somewhat legendary musician in his own right, and John Snodgrass, a guy who I've gotten to know over the last couple of years, a, a Colorado guy. And 
Um, somebody who's been really good to me and to some projects that I've had uh, over the last year or so, and uh, and just in general all around good dude and a huge baseball fan too. Um, and John was kind enough to uh, provide us with his own take on uh, on a classic that we all love. And uh, so with that, we will wrap up this week's episode of the show before the show for Sam Dykstra. I'm Tyler Mom. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.